From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 166. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts, Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, and The Pen Chalet. Great deals on high-quality pens with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Mr. Brad Downey. How are you, sir? I am very well, my man. How are you today? I am excellent because we have an awesome guest today that I am so excited about, although I'm feeling a little inadequate because my accent game is going to be pretty weak between yours and (laughs) Dr. Jonathan Deans that we have. Say hello, Dr. Deans. Hello. (laughs) So we have the the British accent, the Australian accent, and the Southern American accent. So I'm going to be way in last place on this episode. So I, I appreciate you coming on, Dr. Deans, and putting up with our nonsense for the next hour or so. You're uh, you're wonderful to uh, get up early in the morning in Australia and uh, and join us. No, I'm happy to be here. What is it, like Thank 7 a.m. Yeah. or something like that for you right now? We're coming up to 8 a.m., yeah. Yeah, okay. Phew. Yes, so is this uh, <laughs> is this our longest longest distance guest? It's got to be, right, Mike? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, this is this is a, a rare spanning three continents episode. Yeah, of it's the Pen Addict. Maybe the first one actually that's done that. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to think about it, but we'll we'll have to get the connected style logo. Uh, uh, yep. You know, for every time uh, Doctor Deans comes on, because I know no pressure, uh, Jonathan, <laughs> but you know I have high hopes for this episode, and I'm already counting on you coming back because I have so much to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> you're you're such an interesting part of this community. That's uh, I I think just you know a, a wonderful wonderful thing that you do with your blog and we're going to get into all that stuff and we actually have a lot to get into with you i do want to if you don't mind go i have a few uh follow-up items uh we need to cover real quick and i'll i'll drag you in uh as we go through but it should just be real quick and then we're going to get into it uh, all about fountain pen economics how's that sound that sounds good all right so the first thing i want to bring up is we have finally finalized the dc pen show Pen Attic Meetup. So Boo. the DC Pen. <laughs> so the shows, the show runs next week, August 13th to 16th, Friday night at 7 p.m. in Seminar Room One will be the official Pen Attic Meetup time and place. So I, I've been asked next for next week's podcast to go through a pen show etiquette. Um course, if you will, for first timers going to the pin show. So that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to talk about getting ready for the DC DC show, pin show etiquette for those who are new to going to a pin show. And then any questions that any, any pin show related questions, um, y'all can hit us up, Mike, myself, um, send us an email, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA. So next week is going to be a a pin show focused um, podcast. So get your questions in. In for that, so I, I'm pretty excited. Um, the promoter of the show has really, really hooked, given us the full hookup um, for what we want to do Friday night, and I'm super appreciative of that. So we will see everybody there in uh, only about a week and a half or so. Uh, everybody ex- except Mike, he's not mm. going to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I didn't did. know that. I'm pleased you reminded me. Okay, just making sure. Mm-hmm. Just making sure. Thank you, buddy. All right. So what 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 do you have going on, Mike? You got uh, you've got our our doc filled up here with lots of neat stuff that I want to hear you talk about real quick. So uh, I bought some stickers from the the Relay FM store. Yes, I 
I also have to buy stickers, everyone. <laughs> they don't get sent to me. Uh, I have to buy them like everybody else. Uh, so mm-hmm. I bought, because we've had a, a few new shows recently. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't bought any in a while cause, because I also buy them and send, and have them sent to me from the lovely knock offices. Uh, I buy them in batches. So uh, I bought uh, a few new stickers and in my package was some of your lovely new spiral-bound notebooks. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the lovely Mr. Brockwicky, uh, he sends me little, he puts little presents in those packages for me every now and then. <laughs> More than you know. Yep. Wait, <laughs> hang on, what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, actually, we're gonna move past that. I don't need to know. Uh, and I have on the desk next to me one of these dot dash spiral pads, which I'm yep. now using for my show notes. For, cool. for the time being because I'd actually just as I'm not kidding the day they arrived was the day I was having to change out my arts and sciences that I usually keep next to me ah, and perfect. so now I have this beautiful feeling paper it's mm-hmm. really great feeling this paper it's very smooth Good. Um, and so uh, my mechanical pencil out. is taking to it nicely nice so it's working out for you so far yeah very happy very happy okay. actually yeah okay. uh, I mean, I know that this is a, probably a cheating thing to do because, you know, it's you and it's me, but I actually <laughs> really, really recommend these because these are really, really nice pads. You did, you did a really good job here. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. We we worked hard on it, and I am very happy with how it turned out. So um, I use them all the time, and uh, yeah, hey, I, I don't have to tell you how much I love them. I made them. On a spiral bound pad, mm-hmm. do you use the other side of the paper? No. No, neither do I. And I feel like I'm wasting it. But, nah. you know. Do you on your field notes? Uh, on the arts and sciences, I do, yeah. Mm. What about yeah. you, Dr. Deans? Are you a, a front side only paper user or do you use both sides of the page? Uh, lately, I've been using the back of the page, but this wow. is new to me. Okay. And do you use it uh, even with fountain pens that, you know, you might show through, bleed through? Just doesn't matter? Um, yeah, no. I'm not too fast. Yeah. I think it mostly happens when I start getting towards the end of a notepad and I start to yeah. freak out because I don't have any spares. Mm. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a minute. You, you don't, <laughs> we you don't have about any this. spares. <laughs> uh, we have a chain here in Australia, Officeworks, that sell Rodia. Uh-huh. It's like a two-minute uh-huh. drive up the road, so okay. I used to keep spares, but I just don't need to anymore. Uh, okay, that's acceptable. I'll let you off the hook because, yeah, my, my closet doesn't understand uh, the we-do-not-keep-spares uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing for me, though, with this is, you know, I was, I'm, I've been getting a little jittery recently as I've been running low on the arts and sciences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, they're out of stock now, so mm-hmm. I was getting a bit, ah, I haven't got my uh, show notes pad, but... I actually yeah. think that these guys might do a great job, a good enough job for me because, uh, I mean, I know that Field Notes do the steno, but it's mm-hmm. never been exciting enough for me to get it from Field Notes because it's just craft. But mm-hmm. I like this little guy, so um, I will support my buddy, and maybe this will be my the official show note taking paper of Relay FM. Wow, that yeah. would be awesome! How about that? Hey, maybe I should send send them to all the hosts. I think I'm the only person that that does this. You're the only you're the only person that knows I even exist on our network. Let's be perfectly honest. <laughs> no, they know the pen guy. <laughs> the pen, okay, that's it. yeah, that's the extent of it. The pen guy. <laughs> All right, so you bought you bought something else here recently. So I received an email today uh, mm-hmm. from our friends at Colt Pens because uh, I signed up to be notified when Emerald of Shivor was in stock. I don't know how to say it, so I just feel like I have to go like Super Game of Thrones on it or something. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, so they got it in stock. Uh, I actually think it went in stock in a few places today because our show mascot, Kennedy um, Renishin, let me know that. Oh, I can't remember where she said she got it from, but she received, I think it might have been the writing desk, which is another mm-hmm. um, uh, UK store, maybe Bureau Direct or something like that. They sent mm-hmm. uh, her an email and mentioned that it had come in stock there as well today. So uh, Emerald Chivore is now available in the UK and I bought a bottle and I actually expect it will probably be here within the next two days. So by next Good. week, I'll be able to give my opinions um, of this ink and be able to maybe compare it to what I consider to be the really, really disappointing Stormy Grey. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, do you, what do you think about these Jay Herbon, uh Gold Fleck inks? Do you have, have you, do you have any interest yeah, in these? I've, have you? I have them all and I barely oh. use any of them. Yeah. I've that's, got the that's... Blue Ocean before it had the Flex of Gold in, and I really prefer that to hmm. the one with the Flex. Right. That's the one. blue. I have the Blue Ocean the same as you, but pre-Flex Blue Ocean um, I have. I am going to give this uh, Emerald a try, though. It looks pretty amazing. It's, I see um, more and more pictures of it on Instagram, mm-hmm. and it's like the, the amount of colors that are in this ink is yeah. what excites me. It's not even the really so much the gold, but like the green combined with the gold, and it looks like in some lights you get a little bit of purple in there. Um, yeah, the sh- the sheen is what what got me. If it was just the greenish with gold flecks, I would probably pass. Like that's pretty much what the stormy gray is. It's just gray with gold flecks, and the blue and the red are similar. Um, although the red has a little bit more sheen, but the emerald has so much sheen and changes the color of the ink so much. I think it's going to be nice. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I I don't know what what it's. I don't know how it will end up. I don't know if I'm going to be happy or sad of it. I also don't even know what pen I'm going to use it with. But uh, mm-hmm. I'll work all that out, and and hopefully we'll have some uh, some feelings for next week. But yeah, like awesome. I, I'm looking at my Instagram now, and I've seen Colt Pens took a picture of it, and it looks looks really really great. Yeah, so I well. I think everywhere but the U.S. has them uh, available at this point. So oh, really? uh, I think yeah, because Canada has them. Um, people have been ordering them there. Our, our friends at Wonderpins, hello. Um, they um, they've been selling it, and people have been picking it up from their store. So, just hasn't uh, hit the shelves yet in the U.S. But it'll, pro- it'll probably be. I would assume it's going to be this week. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a couple of uh, pictures in the show notes of people that are trying it out because um, I follow the great gourmet pens. Um, oh on- yeah on Instagram as well. And uh, Aziza was posting some pictures of just, just showing the color variation. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, really is very exciting. Um, Speaking of Aziza, we need to get her on the show. I will handle that uh, yes, post haste. Yeah. All right. Last thing. And then we're going to get into some economics uh, learning. We're going to make a, make ourselves smarter today, Michael. Yep. Um, I need, I need all the help I can get. Um, you saw the, the Twisby mechanical pencil review. I did. I did, you, I did see that. I did see that. Being the um, mechanical pencil guru you are now, what are your what are your thoughts on this one? Looks interesting to me. I I considered it. Um, I was hovering over the checkout button when buying that ink today, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up not going for it purely because of basically the way that you finish your review. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're very complimentary of it. Um, mm-hmm. Say that it's very good, and you know there's lots of great parts about it. But you basically compare it to the road ring, and it's like, well, you know there isn't that much of a difference mm-hmm. um but it did seem really cool i mean it looks great um i liked what you said about the eraser being really uh really good because i always find the erasers to be terrible yeah um, it was actually kind of a shock when i first used it i was like wait a minute this works 
So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try it out. Uh, I don't know, but I I haven't bought it yet. Um, <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm a little bit biased at the moment to, against Twisby, uh, sure. as I mentioned in the past. So maybe that's that's putting me off. And oh uh, well, you're you're in the right episode for this conversation. Great. <laughs> Uh, rallying against them even though no no not necessarily it's just gonna be uh once we talking uh, about them yeah Yeah. once we once we go full jonathan it's gonna be uh there's gonna be some twisby conversation for sure but i have to say Um, and i I do want to commend that they have the retractable option for the same yeah retractable nib or whatever you call it tip yeah Uh, i found that interesting from a pricing perspective same price as the as the non-retractable version i think that's cool because that is the one thing i miss which makes me think that i should get um a road ring and and i I had an email from a listener sorry i can't remember their name off the top of my head um and they were saying that that i think it's the 800 which Mm -hmm. has the retractable tip with the stylus and they were saying that how great it actually is Um, the stylus is good but the fact that they have the retractable tip and stuff is really great, but we'll see. Because as we mentioned before, it seems like that's out of stock for a redesign. So well, it's also eighty something dollars. So yeah, it's I know. Really... But, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm edging towards that point. All right, cool, good for you. So, yeah, I mean, if this is something that I, re- I mean, I really love mechanical pencils now. So and I only yeah. have two of them. Because that's the thing, right? And and I've had people send me stuff. Um, people are like, oh, you should try this out, but it's like a plastic one and I'm not really that's not where I am with them right now I, I want like nice bodies mm-hmm. and things like that on them uh, and I'm as of yet finding uh, I'm, I'm as of yet been able to find like real big defining differences between them that would make me want to pick one over another um, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I'm struggling with right now because like with fountain pens it's like, you know, you can choose where the nib comes from and you can choose the nib thickness and stuff. So maybe I need to get into different lead thicknesses and from different manufacturers. I don't know, but I feel like that's maybe maybe the next step for me. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I, I, I like hearing you talk like this. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's reinvigoration of my, yes. my love. <laughs> there we go. All right, reinvigorate us uh, with our, our friends at Linda and then we're going to uh, get into the to the good stuff here. Cool. Today's episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you in part by our friends over at lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses that can help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash penaddict. lynda.com is for people that want to solve problems. It's for people that want to get that business off the ground. It's for people that are curious about a hobby that they've always wanted to try out but have never gotten around to because they don't know where to start. It's for people that want to make things happen, who maybe want to get some new skills so they have a more attractive resume, or maybe maybe they want you know to to get better in their job and they want some skills for that, or they have a hobby like we have, you know, podcasting and stuff like that, and they want to learn a bit about some of the software that you need to use to make a show sound great. All of this stuff is available to you at lynda.com. You can learn how to be a developer. You can learn how to be a photographer. You can learn how to put your music onto computers and how to edit it and how to publish it to the web. You can learn how to uh, bootstrap a business. Maybe you want to learn marketing stuff, design, color, typography, illustrator, Photoshop. The list goes on and on of the both practical applications you can use, but also how to use things in certain environments. Like I mentioned photography, they have courses on how to take great 
uh, portrait photos as well as just how to use the software to edit them. There's so much great stuff on lynda.com that is taught by people who are absolute experts at what they do. You can stream their thousands of video courses on demand. You can learn at your own schedule, learn at your own pace. You can also learn on the go with their Android and iOS devices as well. You can create and save playlists of the courses that you want to watch because you can watch them in any order, any way that you like, and you can also save these courses uh, these course playlists and share them with your friends, colleagues, or team members. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for just one flat rate. Whether you are looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I would love it if you would go and visit lynda.com slash penaddict. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash penaddict because this will also help support the show. Thank you so much to lynda.com for sponsoring The Pen Addict today. Awesome. So you can learn a lot um, at lynda.com. And, and Mike, I think we're going to learn a lot today from Dr. Jonathan Dean. So thanks again for uh, joining us, Jonathan. We really, really appreciate you uh, making it work in your schedule to to come on and join us today. No, I'm happy to come. So let's before we get into the pen stuff specifically, let's talk a little bit about your background because you you and I we've only been conversing probably I don't know six or nine months or so. So you know I'm learning a little bit about your background and you know you're an economics professor um, in Australia. So why don't you talk a little bit about like your your educational background and then how that led into writing a blog that kind of crosses over, you know, your, your love of fountain pens and things like that is that it, it going along with your, your educational work. Yeah. Uh, well, I, my background is I'm what's called a resource and energy economist. So what I research and what I'm interested in are markets, commodity markets like coal and gas and iron ore and those sorts of things. Mm. I was doing my doctorate. They asked me to teach introductory microeconomics um, micro is my field, but I sort of got there on the first day and quickly realized that what I know isn't exactly where the students are at. They mostly know retail. They know hospitality. They don't know mm. these big global markets. And I had to pick up my knowledge basically on those sorts of areas. And it just happened to be that I had a hobby that sort of lent itself to that really well. And uh, so I got involved with uh, Reddit, and I think I was sharing some of the stuff I was thinking about there, and eventually that just led into becoming a blog. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the story. Yeah, so I think you know when I when I first saw you writing on Reddit, I think that you were having some your your view, I guess, if you will, of the fountain pen industry as a whole. Um, it was very. It was definitely coming from a different place than a lot of us, you know, myself included, pretty much anyone else who who was writing. You know, yeah. what what made you like start? I mean, I know you you kind of alluded to the fact like you you started on Reddit and people just I think were eating up like the things that you were talking about. Is that what got you into, <laughs> you know, okay, I, yeah, I'm going to make this blog at, at pineconomics.com and we're going to talk about these things. You know, I'm not doing pen reviews like all these other jokers out there, you know. <laughs> I'm going to talk about something completely different. What did what was your thought process into actually, you know, getting that domain and starting to write about this stuff? Uh, well, there was good feedback on the comments. There was a lot of good conversations, but I guess one of the problems on Reddit is space. You, mm. I mean, you could write an essay on Reddit, but it's not going to get very much attention. It's hard for people to go back to read it. If people want to follow what you're writing, it's almost impossible. 
So I actually came up with a blog idea. It would probably be about a year ago. I started a site which was um, WordPress or a TypePad page and I was basically just creating content and putting it on there and I had that, shared that with a very small audience, maybe two or three or four people just to, I guess, get comfortable with the format, get used to it. And then I think it was over the Christmas break I ended up setting up the domain and putting together a proper website. Um, and, yeah, so it was sort of quietly something I'd been working on in the background, but it was really just because I felt like there were things I wanted to talk about and there were conversations that I wanted to have with people and I wanted a place where those things could happen, where people could find out about it Uh and it sort of turned into this thing where uh, I'm in contact with so many people now who have really interesting insights or they're, you know, they're quite happy to send me an email and say, have you thought about this or, you know, what do you think about that? And some of the people, like it's pretty exciting when you get an email from someone like Brian Anderson or Brian Goulet just sort of saying, hey, you know, I really enjoy your blog and, you know, I thought what you said about that was, was a bit of a different view. Mm. Um, and so that, I guess, kept the blog going whereas... Um, I think in the first month or so there wasn't a lot of feedback and I was sort of thinking, well, what's the point? But once you get a few of those emails, it starts to make it really worthwhile. Yeah, it, when it starts, it can kind of feel like you're just shouting into like a cavern. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, so, but that is the thing. Like that's what, you know, I always, I talk about this sort of stuff a lot because people ask me these kinds of questions like to, how do you kind of get noticed, that kind of thing with this type of stuff. Basically, you have to just keep doing it. Um, and then eventually you might bump into a couple of people like Brad, for example, and then they can help like talk about your stuff in a wider place and you can make relationships. Like it's not about being pushy, but if you do good work, like it will eventually get, get noticed, I suppose. But Jonathan, there is something that I wanted to just, I wanted to just back up a moment if you'd allow me to do that. Yeah, sure. Um, would you be able to give like a, a, an overview, like a high levels to the kind of stuff you actually write about? Because I think if somebody is not familiar with your work specifically, uh, they might yeah. not understand why it's, why it's different. Okay. So what I talk about really is the marketplace. So I talk about the retailers. I talk about the brands. I talk about what everybody's up to in a real business sense. So in terms of what sort of business strategies people are doing, um, what sort of positions they're occupying in the market or how they're competing with one another. I like to, I guess, go behind the scenes, I guess, is how you might phrase it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I like talking about, which I haven't seen anywhere else, is what's happening in terms of distribution in the mm -hmm. fountain pen community. Um, so the distributors are the middlemen, basically, between the brands who uh, manufacture the pens and the retailers who sell them. Um, so you've got these national level distributors and we, we sometimes hear about them. You might've heard of Kenro or someone like them. Sure. And, you know, they're doing work as well and they've got strategies and they've got plans in place and they're guiding the market or they're trying to affect the market in some way. And I think it's interesting looking at those sorts of things. I think you can appreciate a pen looking at it, writing with it, but you can also appreciate the marketplace by looking at a brand and sort of saying, okay, well, they've got this strategy in place and these things are part of that strategy. And so they're probably going to be going in this direction and what does that mean for everybody else and what does that mean for prices and for consumers or, or the users of pens? Where does your uh, information tend to come from? Because I guess, you know, I, I uh, one of the other areas that I kind of habit it would be, I guess, or where you'd find me is in technology stuff. And it sounds like if, if you were to say what, what, what you do here, 
in the Apple space or in the Microsoft space, you would be basically labeled as an analyst, right? And it, I would, would probably see how people would see you, right? You look at the market, you look at trends, that kind of thing. And, and it would say like, you know, it's this analysis of the market. Um, yeah, like, and, a, like a Ben Thompson. Ex- that's exactly who I'm thinking of. Right. Um, so these kinds of people, they, they tend to get their, they, they think about stuff and they get their information from suppliers or from, uh, other industry newsletters and types, types of things like that. So where does your, the basic information come from that enables you to think about this stuff in these ways? And I apologize if I offended you by calling you an analyst. <laughs> no, no. I mean, um, to be fair, people who do economics and they move into business, they start off as business analysts. So that's, that's the exact right term. Um, I'd say in the beginning, a lot of my information just came from paying attention, looking around, lots of poking around different um, websites and sort of trying to glean what's happening in different places. Nowadays, it's a little bit easier. There's less work involved because there's a lot more information that's sort of coming to me from people. Um, Particularly when a new product comes out, oftentimes I'll get an email from someone who's sort of like, have you seen this? What do you think? You know, this company's up to. And... One of the resources, which sadly isn't around anymore but used to be just fantastic, was um, back at FP Geeks when they had that sort of blog of press releases and product announcements. That was really useful. And it's actually a shame that that's not, um, that blog isn't around anymore because that was a phenomenal resource for me, but I'm sure mm. for many other people as well. Hmm. Yeah, so can you I, not get I, on like press release lists and stuff like that? I've if tried. You, um, you try. That. That's, um, uh, I think the fountain pen market is not as developed as other product markets. There's most of the brands and even a lot of the distributors don't really have press releases that they do. They don't have um, that sort of marketing setup, basically. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not as advanced a, a market as other places, basically, not like other industries. Yeah, exactly. And I I think you're starting to see a little bit of change there over the past maybe 12, 18 months or so. It's getting a little bit better, but it's still kind of stuck in these old roots of how business was done. And, you know, I think that the companies that are taking advantage of the newer technologies and things like that are getting an advantage in the market now. And, you know, that's maybe something, you know, we, we can touch on as, as we go through the show, but I I want to get into, to some of the specifics in kind of a, a a good jumping off point for people who um, are new to your blog. And that's a series that you did. uh, It was basically, I call it the the taxonomy series where you talk about different brands and, you know, you elaborated through that. Um, Mike, first you want to talk about our, one of our good friends, one of our good favorite brands, uh, Mr. Ron at Pen Chalet. Yeah. Um, This this is a company that understands, right? Yeah. Because Pen Chalet is sponsored with us every couple of weeks. And, and it's because they know that by sponsoring this show, they are getting their products out in front of a great audience. Like the one that we have people that want to know about this stuff. You know, because we look for these companies, we try and find them online, and sometimes they can be hard or they can be hidden away, but we have Pen Chalet right here to talk to you about right now. This company is fantastic. They sell all the stuff that you're looking for. Rollerballs, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more. They have you know, all the brands that you love, Pelican, Lamy, Pilot, Namiki, Sailor, Kaveco, all of them. Every, if you need it, they got it, and they're an authorized dealer. They're adding new stuff all the time, new new models, new pens, new brands, or 
are always coming on board at Penn Chalet. They're very fast and reliable customer service. Brad, do you remember that? Uh, I think we got that in an email or a tweet the other day. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, w- I was actually wanting to talk about this, and I didn't talk with you about it, but I, I was going to uh, interject at some point. So one of our listeners had um, a conversation with Ron at Penn Chalet about an issue with uh, Lamy 2000. And this kind of goes, Jonathan, with one of your posts about how you build a relationship with a vendor. That's a more recent post of yours and how, you know, that relationship is what drives a lot of people to continue purchasing from that vendor. And what happened was Lamy shipped out a batch of 2000s where there was like almost a material mismatch from the cap to the barrel. And one of Penchalet's orders and one of our listeners, he received one. He went back to Ron and said, hey, this looks a little bit weird. Ron, you know, know, I I actually think he didn't even get it i think ron emailed the guy oh he stopped it he yeah. stopped it saying hey Which i think you know. is even better so like yeah. the guy had an order in and then ron emailed him and was like do you do you, like this is there's a problem that's happened do you want me to still send this out or do you want to wait like uh, it was really cool well yeah ron was like i don't want to send this out and i've already talked to lami and i'm gonna have a new batch in within a week you know i just want to tell you you know you're gonna be delayed a week but the reason is because i'm not happy with the product that i'm gonna send you so you know i you know if you're acceptable to this and of course the the customer is like well i'm ecstatic with that because that's what you know i would hope a retailer like pen would do for me as a customer so it was a really cool it was a really cool thing that uh, that took place, and we got involved uh, with that on Twitter. And it was just really neat to see um, a vendor like that, you know, just kind of taking the bulls by the horns and, and handling problems before they become problems. Because you know what would have been easier? Just hmm. sending it and hoping the guy didn't notice. Yep. Right? Yep. That would have been that's, easier. But sure. that, that is not what Penn Chalet believe in because they, they believe in customer service. Like, they, they say it. We say it every week. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They want to honor this, right? So one of the best ways they do that is by thinking about what the customer might want before they even send the product out the door. I love this company. They are so fantastic. They sell everything you're going to look for. And what I always ask you to do is if there's a pen that you hear about or a pen that you're looking for, go to Pen Chalet first and see if they have it, right? Because you're going to be able to get 10% off if you use the code PENADDICT, right? Any or any purchase at Pen Chalet, you can get 10% off if you use the code PENADDICT. Don't forget to do free shipping on orders of over $50 to your continental United States. They also sell internationally and they have really reasonable shipping rates there too. And of course, you'll benefit on the exchange rate that you're going to get, right? Because sometimes it's cheaper to buy things in dollars than it would be to maybe buy things in pounds or euros or maybe even Australian dollars. I don't know, Jonathan, what the what the exchange rate's like at the moment. I think it's probably good. It's terrible. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, what, if anyone knows, it's The Economist. <laughs> <laughs> but what Absolutely. you should also do, because I have a couple of deals for you this week, if you go to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password penaddict, as well as getting your 10% off, you'll be able to get uh, some special offers for penaddict listeners, along with the loads of offers that they always have here when you when you go through to this portal. But we have uh, this week a Pilot Custom 74 in the smoke color with a fine nib. So this this uh, model is 30% off plus the 10% coupon. So you'll be able to pick that up for $126. Or the Pilot Falcon in black and with the rhodium trim with a medium nib. They have, we have that for 25% off plus the 10% coupon, bringing that now to $121.50. So it's those specific models, but they're absolutely fantastic deals on some great pens there. Yes. So the last time they 
offered up the custom 74. I picked up the orange one. Uh, that was the one I bought during the episode. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I'm a fan of the, the custom 74 and a fan of the Falcon. I'll use both of those pins um, in heavy, heavy rotation. So, yeah, you, you can't really go wrong with uh, these Pilot Gold Nib pins, and that's a really good price. Thank you so much to Penchalet for sponsoring this week's episode. All right, so I want to get into this brand taxonomy. And really, it's kind of a jumping off point. I think it's kind of the entry point into what you're doing as a blog. You know, that's just that's just my view of it. You may yeah, no, you know, have a have a, a you know, different opinion on that. But and, and other readers might. But so why don't you give us kind of the basic intro on what you were trying to do with this? It was a series of four posts, I believe. So yeah. this intro post and three other posts. And I thought it was a. I I just found myself nodding my head in agreement with you as I read through the post and then as I read through this subsequent post, which we'll get into. So, but why don't you give this an introduction into this brand tech taxonomy uh, series that you did on the blog? So I, there's a lot of posts online about favorite brands and these are the brands I like or these are the brands I don't like. But there wasn't a lot that really talked about which brands were, I guess, really making an effort to provide um, – value for customers in terms of putting out new products which are creative in some way or they've got something interesting and unique about them while trying to drive the price down. Some companies are really good at this. Some companies which are fairly respected in the pen market are not so good. So I ranked Noodlers and Twisby as the two companies which are really innovative. They're really creative in what they do and in terms of trying to provide a really good product at a lower price than what currently exists. If you look at Twisby's, I think they're priced in the US about $50, $65 for their models. Mm-hmm. I think they could easily charge you know, $100 and a lot of people would still buy them, but they have sort of embarked on a strategy where they're trying to provide it at a lower cost. Obviously, that's a business decision. They're hoping to sell more that way and they're doing that by trying to provide a better deal for, for buyers really. And then you've got brands which are way less competitive. So brands like Parker and Waterman, they make decent product, but they're not particularly creative. They're not doing anything special or innovative or new. Most of their products are just cartridge converter pens, often steel nib pens, even you know in the $100, $150 price range. And for any buyer in the market, particularly anyone who's new to the market, they're probably going to have heard of those brands and maybe feel a bit safer about buying Uh, the brands that they know about, whereas there's a lot of brands where you might not have heard of them or they might not be as well known, but they're certainly providing a much better value product. I was just going to say, so I tried to map out all the brands that I was familiar with into how competitive they were, and I sort of broke that down into four categories from, I guess, most competitive to least competitive. Right. So two things, you know, one, you you talk constantly about like the value proposition, which is big in, in, everything I try to relate to my readers because they want to know how does pin A compare to pin B in every aspect, including cost, and what am I going to get the most bang for my buck for? Mm. And then you took that kind of as an overall um, topic, and then you broke down into, like you said, the three lists are disruptive, which you have Noodlers and Twisby. Then you have an innovative, which is you listed Edison, Nakaya, and Visconti. And then you had Competitive, which is a lot of the mainline brands that um, we all know and love. Um, Caveco, Franklin Christoph, Faber-Castell, Lamy, um, Pelican, you know, just kind of right in that area. Then you have the uncompetitive brands, which you just talked about. 
I want to talk, I want to pick out a couple of these um, in, in each of these sections and, and talk about them a little more. Number one, the disruption of noodlers. Why do you think they are, they fit in that disruptive category? Because if I'm putting together this list in my head, I don't think I would have put them there. Um, I don't know that I would have listed them, period, quite honestly. So I want to get your take on on what you see from them. I think it's mostly, and remember, I put this list together around the time that the Nippon set was coming out. So mm-hmm. I was thinking a lot about them and how this was going to change the market. It hasn't really had the effect, I guess, I was expecting it to. Mm-hmm. But I guess they're the only um, manufacturer of pens nowadays who is doing serious things with trying to come up with a flex nib pen. And right. I'm not convinced that the product quality is there. There's certainly a lot of stories about pens straight out of the box that won't write or won't work, even mm-hmm. with significant work done to them. But you're talking about a piston filler pen for, I think they're $20 or something, which yeah, is. Yeah, with a flex nib. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, paying $20, even if they're not 100% sure that it works, that's still good value. And I like the creativity i like the the fact that they're willing to try and do something like that i am actually looking at redoing the list i think later this month it'll be six months since i published that so i was going to try and revamp it every six months or so Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if i would keep noodlers at the top of that list purely looking at the pens if we're talking Mm -hmm. about inks i certainly think that as a brand overall they are innovative they are very creative that's a completely separate discussion which we will we were shoot for getting uh getting in to that this episode but that's that's a completely separate discussion we're just talking from a pen yeah. perspective in this discussion yep yeah and you're right from a pen perspective they're probably well they're certainly not on the same um tier as as twisby or certainly not anymore i don't think mm-hmm. but they are creative i do like that they've you know they've tried to do something one of my right. problems with noodlers um and i think one of the things that holds them back is i i perceive that they have a a pretty bad branding problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've well, done some posts yeah. on that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know I, I guess we can get into this a little bit now, um, and without you know totally getting off this taxonomy. Um, <laughs> We're gonna get like and, two two words into this this uh, yeah, show outline you put see, together. That's, that, I already told <laughs> I already told Jonathan that he's gonna have to come back because there's no way I'm gonna be able to cover everything that I want to talk about. So let let's let's touch on noodlers. Noodlers is a one man shop, right? I mean, it's Nathan Tardif. He does everything. I mean, he's formulating the inks. He's not making the pens. I mean, he's having someone make the pens for him, but he's the one man design uh, person behind getting the pen made um, and then, you know, getting them out to distributors and things like that. And he's the one man person behind the ink. So, why don't, Jonathan, why don't you well, go I ahead? I've heard that he actually sets the all the nibs himself. Really? I don't know if that's true, but I, I sure. have certainly read that. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but it, he's such. I, I don't know Nathan personally. I've never talked to him, but he is – he very much keeps to himself, right? Mm. There's not a lot of – for as long as Noodles has been around, you know, there's not a lot of Nathan Tardif information out there, right? Would you say? Yeah, you could, he does have some YouTube videos that you can go and mm. watch and they give you a pretty good sense of the guy. But you're right. There's not a it, great deal of information available publicly at least. All right, so let, let's hold, let's hold the ink talk on on that because we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna touch on that separately from that. I want to get into these innovative brands because that's where I feel like I live. Like I get 
you know, that you, you listed the three Edison, Nakaya, Visconti, and I get a lot of enjoyment from my Edison's, my Nakai's and my Visconti's, although I only have one like really big Visconti. Um, you're, are you, you're a Visconti guy, right? You have, uh, yeah, I've got, it's, it's, you're a fan of that, of that brand. Yeah, they were my favorite brand. I'm sort of moving a bit more towards Mont Blanc now, but mm-hmm. I love the Visconti's. They are great pens. They have an awesome design team. So what what separates these three brands from this outside of this competitive realm of brands, which is a more standard traditional, although I guess Visconti is a pretty traditional brand. What what makes these innovative as opposed to the competitive of, you know, your Pilots, Pelicans, Platinum Sailors? deltas things like that yeah i think what sets them apart edison what sets them apart is really the filling systems as far as i know Mm. they're the only brand where they have really a range of filling systems that you can choose from um that goes beyond just cartridge converter or a piston filler they've got the bulb filler they've got the pump they've got a few others um personally i just like pistons i'm happy with those but the fact that they're offering those and that um it's Brian, isn't it? Brian Gray. Yes, yeah. Brian Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Edison, as I call him every single time. <laughs> <laughs> there are too many Brians in this community, by the way. There are a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, what Brian Gray's done with sort of, because he's gone back to the original patents for different brands and looked at the filling systems, and he's found ways to innovate on those, to improve them a little bit, and then to make them something that he can consistently provide to um to include in his pens. And that's really creative. That's not something that really anybody else in the market is working on. And I'm, I love the fact that there's somebody working on saying, okay, this is unique. This is interesting. I think people are going to like this. I want to do it. Right. And, and Visconti steps out in, in a different way from Edison, but they step out with their filling systems a little bit too, with the different chambers and the you know different filling systems to kind of seal off the ink from different sections of the pen, at least in the pens, the Viscontis that I use. Um, yeah, no, I've got um, an Opera Master, which is like that. And honestly, yeah. I find it more of a pain than anything else. <laughs> it um, does kind of become that way. Yeah. But, I mean, but for, it, for me, looking at the Viscontis, it's more about the design and the fact that, say. like, if you – and the materials. So if yeah, you look at the, the Homo sapiens. Materials is, and design. Yeah. Except the Homo clips. sapiens, I think, is one of the most um, loved pens, I guess, on the internet, or one of the most lusted after pens. Yeah. In terms of it's got this sort of rubber, lava barrel that people just get really excited about. And when you hold it in the hand, it is phenomenally different to any other pen that's available, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. Visconti yeah. was that? The, I missed the brand name. The, the, Homo, oh, that's Sapiens. the Visconti Homo Sapiens. And they've just brought out a new one, which honestly I'm not too excited about, but it's made out of marble. It's called the Visconti Millionaire. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not cheap. I think they're, I saw it listed as 1,800 euros. Wow. But who else is using marble in a fountain pen? Yeah. That would be interesting to to see. I haven't I haven't laid my eyes on that one yet. But uh the the Homo sapiens has always been intriguing for me just because of the material and no one else really doing that. Um that style of pen. It it just looks fantastic. Mm. Then you then you get into these competitive brands. And this is where the bulk of the company's land and you know i think that's a completely you know valid way to put it these are the brands that we probably talk about the most that are the most well known but some in some cases it's because they're so large that they don't have 
the pure innovation of someone like an Edison who, you know, Brian's making the pins himself or they're smaller and they're still trying to get their footing into a wider range of pins, like say a Franklin Kristoff, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I could see them breaking through into like some innovative type stuff. Um, So, so give me your, your feel as just this competitive group of, of companies as a whole and and how you see this playing out um, in the future. Like if you were getting ready to rewrite this, what do you see moving in or out of this group? Uh, one of the big surprises for me, because I have started working on this post, is Cross, who mm-hmm. I have not previously had really any time for at all. I had, you know, I, I didn't really respect their product that much at all. Mm-hmm. But they've brought out these pens recently with Sailor Nibs. Uh, they seem to be making a real effort. I'm liking some of the designs. I can see them having a fair bit of appeal. And that to me says that they're thinking seriously about this market. They're thinking seriously about how are we actually going to compete in this market. We want a business that's going to stay around and be successful. And I think Sailor Nibs, you know, that's a really good choice. Those nibs yeah. are beloved. And I think that just the fact that they're willing to to make that sort of investment in the market tells me that, you know, they're probably they're in their uncompetitive brands at the moment. I'd say they're almost certainly moving up to the competitive brands and depending on what else is in the pipeline, they might even be moving up further. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting when that came out because I I agree with you completely where I just – dismiss is a little bit too strong of a word, but there's no need to look at what Cross was offering because I have this whole list of other pins that I just know is going to be better. Yeah, yeah. But then Cross says, well, we're going to redesign this pen and we're going to use these Sailor nibs in a different way. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. So it, mm. it's going to be interesting to see what comes what comes out of that. So nothing's yeah. out. That's not out yet, right? I can't, I'm struggling to find anything about it online. It should be out. I think the yeah. Townsend. I've seen a few links. Okay, okay. But well, I we, think, I mean, my feeling with Cross and a little a little bit Parker and Waterman as well, they're not pens for fountain pen people. They're pens mm. for people who give them as graduation gifts, basically. Right. Mm. They're pens for people who aren't going to write with them themselves. And so quality of the experience isn't paramount. What's more important is it's presented nicely in a nice box and it appears to be you know, a thoughtful, valuable gift. Right. But if you put Sailor Nib on something, that's for someone who wants a good writing experience. Right. I think what's consistent in the uncompetitive uh, brand and in, in the uncompetitive group here, which you have Aurora, Conklin, Cross, Diplomat, Estabrook, Monteverdi, Parker, Schaefer, Waterman, that's essentially all the same pen and <laughs> it's going to look nice and you're going to give it to someone and think you've bought them a really nice pen, you know, like you said, as a gift. And mm. it's just from a fountain pen connoisseur or fan or regular user of pens, they're going to go, eh, you know, I can, I can get a pilot for something, you know, for cheaper and it's going to write better. And, you know, it's going to do, you know, it's going to fit my style better than just, it's, it's almost like that whole uncompetitive group. It group is one big generic pen. It's the same across the board. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm going to, I think, you know, there, there's a lot to read and a lot to gleam from this this taxonomy, uh, these taxonomy posts. So I think, you know, people, you know, when you're done with listening to this episode, hit these links, go read up, read through all these posts and, you know, kind of see what Jonathan's doing here. And I think there's a lot to to learn from that. Now, I want to get into one specific brand. And we alluded to this before. Aside from your taxonomy series, you do 
a brand analysis series where you take one brand and you kind of break it down. Yeah. And, you know, in, in all kinds of different ways. So the one I wanted to talk about the most is Twisby only because there is, especially on Reddit, <laughs> there's a huge, <laughs> you either love the brand or you hate the brand and there's no middle ground. So why don't you talk, go through your brand analysis of Twisby, what you like that they're doing, um, what you dislike that they're doing, what problems are the problems worth the effort for purchasing these pens. So give us a little bit of your brand analysis on Twisby. Yeah. Well, I'll just say my background with Twisby, I've owned a few. I have had some problems, but they haven't been major problems. But as an economist looking at the market rather than just thinking about the the writing experience of the pens or the quality of them, I think they're a great brand in that they've sort of come out of nowhere. They've got a product which um, is hugely successful, regardless of whether you love it or you hate it. You have to admit that they're a big part of the market now. Mm-hmm. And I particularly like that because they're bringing in a lot of people who probably aren't traditional fountain pen people who, um, you know, I think fountain pens, particularly in the 80s and 90s, were sort of seen as something, you know, for posh people. It was, you know, you know something, right. if you're wealthy, you wrote with a fountain pen. The rest of us used ballpoints. And I think that Twisby have really been successful in trying to bring in people who want something that's just a nice, pleasant writer that's not too expensive um, and is a bit of fun. It's also good for people who like to, you know, tinker to pull it apart and to fiddle and to swap out nibs and that sort of thing. And they've sort of occupied this position in the market where they dominate um, in terms of people who have particularly those who have maybe come in in a border pilot metro or a Lamy Safari, maybe they've got some sort of entry-level Schaefer or Parker or something like that as well, but they want something a bit different. They want maybe a demonstrator so they can see the ink sloshing around. They want a, the capacity of a piston filler. They want something where they can easily buy other nibs and swap them in and out, and Twisby offer that, and um, they offer it at a really good price. So the analysis is sort of coming from there, but then looking at, well, with this new product that uh, has recently come out, the Twisby Eco, what effect mm-hmm. is that going to have on the rest of the business? Because the Eco is a $30 piston filling demonstrator. It's squarely aimed at people who are brand new to fountain pens and don't, you know, don't necessarily have any experience with other pens. So they want just a basic entry level pen. At the moment, most people are buying Pilot Metro, they're buying Alami Safari, and those are the best value in say the under thirty dollar. I think I think the Safari's around thirty, might be a little bit more than yeah. that. You can get you can get them for a little cheaper in the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, those are your entry level pens. And now Twisby are targeting that. I think that they're, they're targeting Lamy in particular and they're trying to replace Lamy as the default as one of the default choices for new users. So what this post was looking at was sort of saying, well, let's play this out. Let's play out this competition and see sort of what happens. And I guess one of the concepts I was trying to um, get through, maybe not as successfully as I hoped, was the idea of a dominant strategy, which is a concept where your strategy will be successful no matter what your competitors do. And I think I was trying to outline how Twisby sort of has the makings of a dominant strategy with regards to Lamy. There's not a lot that Lamy can do to fight off this sort of um, uh, the entry of this product. 
If they mm. drop price, so just to compare the two pens, the Lamy Safari, it's got swappable nibs, um, nibs which are actually swappable with almost all of the other Lamy pens. But other than that, it's it's pretty basic. It's it's a plastic pen. It's not a demonstrator. You've got to buy the converter separately from most retailers. Um, and you're talking about around $30 there. So the Eco is priced a few dollars cheaper than that. I think it's 29 in the US. Mm. It's a much bigger capacity. It's um, it's a demonstrator, so it's see-through, which is, you know, pretty cool. Um, and I think that if anybody, well, for the, for the most part, somebody comparing the two would see the Eco as being much better value, even if it was at the same price. The other entry-level pen, the Metro, I think that's quite different to what Lamy and Pilot have got. There's no swappable nibs, but the nib is much finer. The nib is a much higher quality nib, though, on the on the Pilots. It's a cartridge converter pen as well. I don't think that Eco is going to take away many of the people who are going for something which is a really fine tip sort of uh, Japanese pen. But I think or what I was arguing in the post was that Lamy may have a bit of a problem on their hands because I mm. think they pick up a lot of buyers who they'll buy the Safari and then partly because of the swappable nibs, they'll sort of end up buying a Vista, which is their demonstrator version of the Safari, or a Studio, which is the metal-bodied um, one, I think it's around sixty to eighty dollars. Right. So people who buy the Safari tend to, oftentimes, they'll keep buying a few extra Lamis because they can swap over the nibs, and there's sort of some benefits there. And I think as far as Lamis fountain pen business goes, they haven't had a lot of um, innovation in a long time. They introduce, um, they have limited editions which are different colors for the Safari and the Studio. They have some special inks that come out, but by and large, they're not doing anything that creative or new. I think the Lamy 2000 is a great pen, but that was released in 1966 and it hasn't changed that much since then. <laughs> right. Because so, it's a great product. But um, I don't know if they have the chops to really do much in the way of innovation. And when you've got a competitor that's really coming at you, you've got to be innovative to sort of protect your business. And I don't know if Lamy have those skills in-house necessarily. Yeah, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier with the bigger, well-established companies. You know, what are they going to do to disrupt this? And how are they going to, you know, in Lamy's particular case, how are they going to fend off someone like Twisby who is, you know, Lamy used to own the $30 to $50 market, right? Mm. And it's, they probably still do at the moment, but it's not as much of a lock as it used to be with Twisby coming in there. But there's no one else in that market either. You know, there's really not anything like from, about $35 to almost $100. That's a huge gaping chasm there of, yeah. of value proposition, if you will. And Twisby owns it right now. Um, and it would be interesting to see Lamy come up with a new design. You know, they tweak, like you said, they tweak everything in their lineup. You know, it seems like once a year, once every two or three years, you know, with a new yeah. color or, but, they're not coming out with that $40 pen that's different from the Safari AL Star and then getting on up into the little more expensive studio. They're just putting a new coat of paint on it. And at some point, I have enough coats of paint in my arsenal where I need something else. I need I need the new Twisby that's going to give me a piston filler and is going to be, you know, really interesting looking and, and things like that. So it's a huge untapped market. Twi- Twisby clearly did this on purpose to target that price point because there's nothing else there and they completely 
own it and, and dominate it right now. Yeah. And I think Twisby's strategy is to be the default choice for anybody who wants to buy a pen from, you know, $30 up to maybe $80. And there's not a lot below $30 that I think people are happy even coming into the market. $30 is not a particularly high barrier to entry there. Right, right. And I'm interested to see how the Eco does. I don't have one yet. Um, I'm interested in it. I'm interested to see how it does in comparison with the Safari. The Twisby's everyone's best second fountain pen you know just because people like a lot of time people are hesitant to just spend 60 60 dollars you know if yeah. they don't have any fountain pen experience and you know they have to buy a bottle of ink you know and oh it's going to get messy and there's all these things for that very first time buyer mm-hmm. um so i'm interested to see how the the eco does if it can fend off any of that um commentary from first time fountain pen users but as far as like okay I bought my Pilot Metropolitan. I think, you know, fountain pens are going to be a thing for me. You know, let me look at these Twisby 580s or whatever. And, you know, it's a really great, it, it ends up being a really good value and a really good writing experience. And Yeah. And I think they do a great job of bringing people into the community and growing the community, which is just yeah. a wonderful thing. And, you know, so we don't totally gloss over it. Twisby has a lot of mechanical failures they have worked on over the years to fix. Mm. They, you know, the past models, the 540, when it first came out, it had a huge number of failures um, in in different parts of the system, um, mostly around the section cracking and and things in in the front end of the pin. They modified that into the 580. Fewer problems. People still have problems. Um, And then they have the the aluminum 580, which, you know, is is a little bit more substantial. so they, I don't want to gloss over the fact that there a lot of people have a lot of problems with Twisby from a durability standpoint. I personally haven't run across any problems except with my Micarta. Um, I had a feed issue. And anyone who's ever dealt with the problems knows that Twisby is super responsive. It's just that some people don't want to deal with the problems to begin with. You know, well. they've paid their money. They feel like it should be, you know, good to go for – you know, a few years or, or whatever. And they don't want to have to go back and forth with emails, you know, with, with Twisby and getting new parts and things like that. I've been at kind of all sides of this scenario. Um, and I've had Twisby replace parts for me, but my point is now considering the amount of failures that I've had, I mean, I've probably, uh, between me and Adina, maybe we've owned like maybe seven or eight Twisby products. And I think four or five of them have had an issue with some description, Mm-hmm. At, at that point, I'm like, okay, the customer service can be really great, but I don't want to have to keep going through this, like yeah. buying a pen, which isn't, which you know, they're not crazy amounts of money, as you said, but they're they're, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not nothing. They they right. they're kind of, I guess, mid range, right? If you're looking at the fifty, yes. sixty, seventy dollar stuff, um, and yeah, they will they'll fix it and they'll do it really quick and they do quick shipping on their replacement parts, all that kind of stuff. I mean, they even got me a replacement part for a pen they don't even make anymore, which was really great of them when it was that one time. But then, you know, Adina yeah, had three of these break, and she's not doing yeah. anything crazy with them. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it kind of gets to the point where it's like, I don't want to have to keep going through this every single time. Yeah, the the fourth time, you're over it, right? Yeah. And that it's a valid complaint with Twisby. And um, if you go on Reddit, you will see some... <laughs> <laughs> some knockdown dragouts in uh, the the fountain pens uh, 
you know, uh, board on Reddit about this very, very topic. And, you know, it's you can't discount that that's happening with this brand. It's worth but, pointing out, though, that this is something they're aware of. And part of the reason yeah. why the Eco took, like, I think it was announced two years ago that it was soon right. to go on sale. And I think the reason why it's taken so long is because they really want to get the quality right. Because I think they realize that the quality is what's going to determine if they're successful with this or not. If the pens are great and they're not prone to any sort of issues, they'll sell like hotcakes, they'll become the default choice. If they're sort of like a noodler's pen where the quality is a major concern, not a lot of people are going to buy them. And I think that's part of why they've redesigned the section. So it's all one piece now. You can't, uh, apparently that's designed to make it stronger. So they've obviously taken that on board and they're taking that seriously. And hopefully these sorts of issues will be a thing of the past. Because I have hopefully. to say, like, I was tempted to buy two Twisby products today. Um, new stuff, stuff that I've heard, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the eco. Um, I heard, I've read a great review about the precision and I was like, I changed my mind because I thought uh, they're probably just going to break. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is their big problem. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I want to, you do a lot of different brand analysis and I'm going to put in a request for a brand, your next brand analysis topic, but I'm going to make yep. you wait until we talk okay. about our good friends at, Squ- at Squarespace. That sounds like a great idea, Brad. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. You know, Squarespace. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and you want to use the code INC at checkout. It will get you 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Squarespace gives you a place to put your stuff online no matter what it might be. Maybe you want to start a blog. Maybe you want somewhere to put your artwork, you know, like a portfolio or something, or you just want to make some galleries or some photography that you take. Maybe you've got a store that you want to set up. Maybe you have a restaurant or a business, or maybe you have something that you want to set up for your band. Squarespace can help you do all of this. They put all of the power that you need into your hands and take away the stuff that you don't want to have to worry about. Squarespace can help you build a site that looks professionally designed no matter what your skill level is without any coding required. And they have intuitive and easy use tools that make your website look and feel exactly how you want. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology under the hood that helps power your website, and they ensure security and stability. And because of this, they are trusted by millions of people around the world and some huge brands too, including Notco. You know, that's mm. one of those great brands that you've heard of. Huge, Thanks, huge brand, huge brand. <laughs> All of Squarespace's sites look fantastic because they have these great templates. Their templates are really nice and simple, but they also can be really nicely customized so you can make it look exactly how you want without you know, making it look like it's just come off the shelf somewhere. That's one of my favorite things about the way that Squarespace take great care with their template design. They also feature responsive web design too to make your site look great on all sizes of device. Squarespace have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have their commerce platform. As I mentioned, you could sell stuff. We sell things at Relay FM. We have a little store that's set up on Squarespace to sell stickers and t-shirts. They have their cover page functionality to build great-looking single-page websites, rock-solid fast hosting, and so much more. And if you sign up for a year, you'll also get yourself a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And with plans starting at just $8 a month, this seems like a pretty great deal to me. You can start a trial with no credit card required and start booting your website today 
by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code INC at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and will also help show your support for this show. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, so contrary to what the chat room is, is saying, I don't want a brand analysis of Notco. You know, maybe give me about <laughs> give me about four or five years on that one. <laughs> then maybe I'll hit you up. So what I, I want anything about the paper market at all. So you're you're safe all oh, the case market for now. <laughs> safe for well, now. good. Good. So moleskin. I want a mm. brand analysis of moleskin. Yeah, I think that I would be that. super That's interesting. I think moleskin, this is just um, my thoughts because I have thought about this a little in the past and I'm not, paper is not a market that I know as much about as pens and ink. Mm-hmm. But I think moleskin's real strength, and I think I might have made this argument um, maybe on Reddit or maybe it was in an email with someone, moleskin's strength is distribution. Mm-hmm. You can get a moleskin anywhere. And for, I think for a lot of people, that's what they like. They like knowing that they can have the same notebook, they can get it on their way home from work if they run out of one or They've got easy access to them. Most of the other brands, and there are some far superior products out there, I don't see them around as often. I think they're the sorts of things where you go to a website um, and you order it more often than you would pick it up from a particular shop. And that's part of why they may be so successful. Mm. You know, I know there are branded Moleskine shops now as well. I see them in, you know, like the shopping centers near me, which is sure. regional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike had one next to his old office. Oh, well, there you go. Yep. Mm. So, I mean, I've, I started off with moleskins. When I first really got into to pens again, I was using pilots with fine nibs. They worked well with the moleskin stuff. Uh, and I was happy with them, but I'm a lot happier now. I've, um, you know, I mainly use like Clairefontaine now. Mm-hmm. And, but I mean, you know, for most people, it's, you know, you can't go down the shops and just pick up a couple of those notebooks, whereas you right. will see the moleskins there. Right. And that's what came up in the chat room on on our discussion with uh, Twisby versus Lamy. It's, you know, Lamy destroys them in distribution channels, right? I mean, they're just available almost everywhere. And even in, you know, random places, you know, where you you wouldn't think, you know, like in a in a luggage store in the mall, you know. Mm. But this is the thing about having a superior product is you don't try to be everywhere at once with them. As far as Twisby is concerned, they just need a superior product and they can just start taking over one market at a time. They can start with the online market, get the product right, then start working on packaging. So maybe they can start selling it through stores. And, you know, you may start off in Taiwan and then you may start going to another few other small markets and just piece by piece picking it up. It's not a, it's not a thing where you need to compete everywhere all at once with someone because mm. Lamy don't really have anything they can do about it. It's just for Twisby. They can just Take it step by step. They don't have to rush. You rush, you make mistakes with these things. Um, you just take it slow, tweak things as you find that problems are coming up. And, yeah, it's it's a good strategy because it's a slow strategy, because it's a deliberate strategy. Um, I saw some people in the chat room were talking about the student pen market in Germany. Mm-hmm. That for Twisby is probably the last place they'll go. I'd say that... Um, right. They'll slowly work up to maybe releasing a product that's available in stores eventually. We might be talking years down the track. And, you know, they'll try and get it to become a popular product in like the United States long before they think about Germany. And this right. is like that Lamy wooden pen thing, right? Is it the ABC? Right. ABC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super cute. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> it's a great pen. It gets great Pilot reviews. Has a pretty but... cute one as well. The Kakuno. I love that pen. Smiley face. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one. 
I bought that pen for both of my kids. It's such a good pen because they have that nib that their nibs are just really, really good. And for that price Mm is is ridiculous. So I want to talk about one more topic and then I want to ask you a couple personal questions about what what you're into. But I one topic you wrote about did kind of give me a new perspective on things. And it was your post titled, How Does China Make Such Cheap Fountain Pens? And it was a really good read and it gave me a perspective I did not have previously. So why don't you kind of give us the nuts and bolts uh, of that post and, and you know, why you thought this was important to write, because we see this topic come up almost incessantly and it's a market I've never dipped into at all. Um, just because I haven't found the need, but, but tell us about this post and, and how, um, you know, these, these brands from China are able to accomplish this. Yeah, I'm glad, um, I'm glad you enjoyed that one. I didn't get a whole lot of feedback on it, so I wasn't sure if it sort of just disappeared into the, the ether or not. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone who is into fountain pens has noticed that you can get a Jinhao or a um, Hero, there's another brand I'm forgetting, Bao, mm-hmm. yeah. delivered for like $3.00. And, I mean, I can't buy a, a pen from anywhere in the world and have the shipping cost me $3, let alone <laughs> shipping and production. Right. And this wasn't something I'd ever seen discussed. I hadn't seen it come up on FPN. I hadn't seen it come up on Reddit or any of the blogs. And so it was sort of something I started digging into a bit. And it's um, – I think the first point is we're assuming they can make pens that cheaply, and I simply don't believe that's the case. I think that their costs are much higher. I would estimate maybe $10, $15 per unit, um, depending on the volumes they're making them in. I wouldn't be surprised that they're just making crazy volumes and they can get that down to, you know, five or ten, but certainly more than what we're paying. Mm-hmm. The only reason that we can purchase them that cheaply is because there's the Chinese government subsidizes uh, manufacturing in a variety of ways, and they subsidize shipping. So it's very cheap uh, for a Chinese producer to send their product somewhere else in the world. And so with the post, I go through some of the subsidies and how these things work for, um, for people who aren't um, familiar with that. But I think that the problem I have with this sort of thing is that when a government Subsidizes an export product, um, they have to, you know, a subsidy costs money, so they have to tax people to have the money to spend on that subsidy. So they're taxing people in China who, by and large, are still, you know, a developing country. Um, I had some stats in the post about how, um, you know, quite a lot of China is still living on, I think 800 million people are living on less than $5 a day. So we're talking Mm. about an incredibly poor country. Uh, which is subsidizing pens for people in Western countries who are relatively well off. And I don't really get into this sort of um, what we call normative stuff, so opinion or value sort of posts. So I I try to keep it um, as objective as I can. But I have a bit of a problem with that. I think that, you know, I think that this is a bad thing, frankly. I don't think that um, this is something that people are aware of when they're buying these products that, you know, what they're really doing when they buy that product is probably disadvantageous to somebody who's poor and, you know, the benefits of having a $3 pen are, you know, frankly not that great. Um, I've had a Jin Hao. It's not a terrible pen, but it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's not a great pen either. Right. And, um, yeah, so I, I just, 
I'm not a fan of what they're doing, basically. And with that post, I wanted to communicate that. I wanted to, I didn't want to tell people what to do, but I wanted them to be more aware of what's going on so other people can make decisions about whether they're comfortable with that or not. To play devil's advocate, um, and I'm sure you've yep. considered this, is there not the idea though, that if people aren't buying these pens, then there might be people that don't have jobs? Yeah, that's that's a common argument for subsidies and for um, development support, and I, I do address that in the post. Okay. Um, but those sorts of programs are often politically popular, but economically they really make people worse off overall. Okay. Some people get jobs, but other people are made worse off because they're, um, you know, they're being taxed or um, the jobs are just moving from one sector to another. Oh. That's that's a common thing with subsidies. Right. So uh, and by and large, I think economists are almost universally united on this. Subsidies are a bad thing. We don't agree with them, but they're often politically popular. So this is why I love reading your blog. Like I, when I found that post, I was kind of enthralled by it just because I had no idea, you know, how mm. – these types of things work. I learn so much from 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 reading your stuff, and I, I implore everyone, you know, to to follow you, and you know, just you know, agree or disagree, you can at least pick up these bits of information that you know help you know make you make an informed decision, and you know, and that's you know, I think what you know, you're trying to do, and a lot of us are trying to do. You know, we're all in the same community, mm. and you know, trying to make these decisions and, you know, we can, we can argue about Twisby and Noodlers all day long and that's fun, fun stuff. But, you know, learning stuff like this is, is really why, you know, I, I find your blog so fascinating. So, yeah. and I hope that people do disagree that they, you know, yeah. let me know because I, I don't know everything and it's useful to get different points of view. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm a big fan of, of the disagreement. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I, I want people to have opinions, you know, and I don't like the middle ground necessarily. You know, there's there's time and place for middle ground type of stuff. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of having an opinion. So I, I think there's something valid in that. All right. So I want to get off the the economic stuff, which is, is yep. what you're a pro at and, and wrap this up on what Dr. Jonathan Deans uses every day you know what are your favorite fountain pens what are your inks how are you using like your stuff what what's what's your favorite pens you've got going right now like what are your two or three favorites that you're just really using you know you you get a lot of enjoyment out of that you're always going back to uh well just the other day i had a new one arrive which uh isn't one that's had much attention online so i might do a review of it i don't do reviews very often oh it's look at the, you. i've done two in the past and my lamy 2000 review is the most read uh, post on my blog. It was really? written in January. Yeah, it. Some weeks it gets more views than the new posts I put up. <laughs> Go figure. Maybe I should yep. just be writing reviews. Maybe that's my strength. No. Yeah, those, those, <laughs> those silly reviewers. They're all biased anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So the new one is the Mont Blanc Heritage 1912, which. Um, is one that was never on my radar until a friend of mine, Mike Rosen, who is um, the Brimic on on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Sure. He wanted one and I was like, yeah, I'm not that fussed on them. And he sort of sold me on one and now I've got one and he hasn't got around to buying his yet. <laughs> it's, it's great though because it's a retractable nibbed uh, pen, but it's also got a really soft nib. It's, it's quite flexible. Um, and as I think as far as Mont Blanc goes, it may be the only one that they've got, which is that soft, but it is just a joy to write with. It's a big double broad. I love it. 
Um, this is the, this is the one that you have like on your Instagram with the big white snow cap on the top, right? Yeah. 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 And it's a tiny, tiny pen capped and retracted. It's the size of a Twisby mini. Okay. It's, I think this, it's tiny. this, this might've been the pen Mike that I was kind of fawning over at the Atlanta it pen was. show. Yeah. That's, yeah. it's a stunning uh, looking pen and it retracts. Ooh. And I was just like, Oh, this is fantastic. And they had a huge, they must've had six or eight nib sizes for that one, one pen line, which I thought was kind of impressive. Yeah. They've got the full range of, like EF to double broad, and they've got um, a couple of obliques as well. Um, they, they actually have a good range. Yeah, so that uh, that one is, has caught my eye. That's a stunning looking pen. I, I'm glad you you're you're enjoying it so far. I take it. Yeah, I oh, love it. I should say it's been discontinued though. So if you're thinking about getting one, okay. I so maybe this is long. maybe the one I saw was the what's replacing it or something like that because it was definitely a There's smaller retractable one. pen. There's two of them. There's the 1912 and the 1914. The 1912 mm-hmm. is um, it's about the size of the Mini when it's retracted and capped, but extended it's about the size of a um, Pelican M800. Oh, There's wow. another bigger one, which is um, it's basically the size of a baseball bat. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely know. on the, a smaller pin overall. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so we're I'll, I'll have to look that up. I'll have to look that up. So uh, what, what other pins are, are you are in the heavy rotation? Um, uh, Brad, the nineteen fourteen, to... they have it in orange. Oh, really? <laughs> it's don't look at the price though; it's a scary price. <laughs> yeah, don't even link that to me because <laughs> I'll probably uh, honestly I'll probably see one next week. I'm sure someone will have have it at the at DC. I would imagine, but yeah, I, I no, <laughs> I don't want to look at the price. So the other ones I use, um, I have a Montblanc 149, which is probably my most used pen. I also have a couple of Viscontis. The Homo sapiens I carry with me, that's probably my main carry pen. Um, there's another one, the Visconti Divina, which is um, the blue. It's got the silver stripes. It's a Visconti make really great wet nibs, which are a little bit soft, and I, I love writing with those. Mm-hmm. So what, um, what, what, ink, what inks are you loading these, these pens up with? What's well, your favorites? I've got to I've got to blame Mike Rosen for this as well. The uh, the bung box inks, which yeah. he sparked the craze on Reddit, which has now led to, I think Vanessa pens in the US sells them now, and maybe somebody else. And bung box have had to stop selling them internationally because the, you know, all the stock is basically just going to international buyers nowadays. Yep. They're struggling to yep. keep up. The inks are made by Sailor, but their bung box sapphire is the perfect blue. Right I'm color, not going to disagree with you there. It's, it's pretty nice amazing. Mm, it's a great ink. I also love Mont Blanc Irish Green. Um, Mont Blanc inks, by the way, are really underrated. I think a lot of people know the price of those pens and they think, oh, you know, that brand isn't for me. The inks are, I think, $18, $20 a bottle and they're really good inks. In terms of quality, they flow well, lots of shading, easy to maintain. Um, I think they're probably the most underrated ink brand in the market. And Irish green is just a great shade. If it's wet, it's sort of it's quite a dark green, but then you get these hints of a brighter green in the shading. It's beautiful. I've had very good luck with their limited inks. I think JFK is one of my all-time favorite inks. Mm. Um, I've had less enjoyment with their stock inks like uh, Toffee Brown and Midnight Blue, but maybe I need to to branch out a little bit more from from those two. I mean, they're certainly they're wonderful performers they're just not for my personal taste but like yeah. the jf jfk may be my my number one overall ink it's it's right up there with shinkai for me which is well known to be my favorite ink so yeah well if you like greens check out the irish green i think you'll like it i'll have to i'll have to check that out and 
we're going to have to check out more of your work at Fountain Pen Economics. I mean, I think we're just scratching the surface and I knew this episode was going to be this way. And there's so much more I want to ask you and there's so many more things we can dig into. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed it today and I hope you will consider uh, joining us again, you know, sometime soon. I, I think it's, uh, I think the uh, listeners are going to be clamoring for it after they hear this episode. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Well, good. Well, good. We are we are certainly appreciate uh, you coming on. Why don't you uh, real quick tell everyone where they can find you um, online? You know where you like to uh, communicate the most, and uh, and we'll we'll um, go with that. The the blogs at peneconomics.com. Um, there's links there to the Twitter account and the Instagram account. The Instagram is my favorite. There's there's such a great community of people on there. Mm. Um, and Reddit, I'm. Uh, Dr. JD16 on there. Um, I'm on there most of the time. Uh, or you can just email me, peneconomics at outlook.com. Yeah. Can I do a quick awesome. shout-out? Is that cool? Please. All right. Well, I want to give a shout-out to, to Mike and Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson has been an amazing supporter of the blog. He's just always available to have a chat or for me to bounce ideas off. Um, but also my partner, Lisa, it's our anniversary this week and she is, she's an economist as well. She's at a conference in Hong Kong. Um, she is a big supporter of me doing this and frankly, she is enormously patient with putting up with my pen nonsense. (laughs) Um, and I know she'll be listening to this. So I just wanted to say thank you to her for everything she does to help. Well, tell her to bring you back a a sweet anniversary present from, from Hong Kong, you know, stop in one of the pen shops there. She sent me a photo of a bag from the Mont Blanc boutique that refused to <laughs> it. So it's it's going to be a long wait till I get to see that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and I second your your commentary on Mr. Anderson. He's one of the good guys in this That's business, true. and I appreciate everything he does. Him and Lisa do for this community, and I will uh, hope to give them a big hug when I see them next week in DC. They are legitimately awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, Jonathan, we appreciate it. And we will be doing this again very, very soon, I feel. And uh, I should just go ahead and start making show notes now for the next time I have you on because <laughs> I didn't even get to everything I wanted to talk about today. So yeah, we appreciate you. Just have a one or two topics and we'll just use that as our jumping off point. That's right. We'll that's how that's how we that's what how we do our best work, isn't it, Mike? Yep. <laughs> Flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So fly us on out of here, mate. Talking about the show notes, there's a ton today. Uh, yeah. Loads of great uh, posts and, and pens and inks and stuff. And you can find those online at relay.fm slash penaddict slash 166. Or you can find them in your uh, podcast client of choice. They should be in there if you're listening in an app um, on one of the various platforms available. Uh, but you can go and find them on the web. If not, if you want to find Brad's work online, he's over at penaddict.com. And you can also find him. He's Pen Addict on Instagram, Dowdyism on Twitter, D O W D Y I S M on Twitter. I am at iMike, I M Y K E on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thanks again to our sponsors this week Squarespace, Pen Chalet, and Linda. If you enjoy this show, go and check them out because it helps support what we do here. But most of all, thank you for listening. Thank you both for joining me. Um, at Brad to you as always and Jonathan thank you for your great input today and uh, I really look forward to having you on again in the future awesome thanks for having me until then goodbye everybody goodbye see ya